You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the live phone-in show. How are you all doing? Happy Sunday. Um, a Sunday that Arsenal weren't playing football. A Sunday that promised so much in terms of uh, exciting football to watch. And to be quite frank, well, that game between Liverpool and Manchester United was quite dire, wasn't it, in the end? Uh, but fortunately, we get to round off our Sunday with some Arsenal talk this evening. Looking forward to catching up with uh, lots of you throughout the programme. We're going to be taking your calls between now and 11 o'clock. If you want to have your say on the show, make sure you send us a DM on Twitter to at Chronicles underscore AFC and we will ping you a link right back at some point during the show. So if you've already put your name down, you will be getting a link at some point in the show. Uh, relax, it is coming your way, but we only send out a couple at a time so that we can get uh, the people in uh, without you guys having to wait so long uh, because obviously I'm conscious that, um, you know, it drains the battery on whatever device you're using when you're sitting in the kind of uh, the loading bit. So we do send a couple of links out at a time. So bear with me. I promise you, you will get yours uh, between uh, now and the end of the show if you put your name down. Uh, so that's uh, at Chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter. Head over there, drop us a DM. On tonight's show, we're going to be discussing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. That's going to be our lead topic. But as always on the live fans phone in the forum is yours. The platform is yours. So if you've got something else you want to discuss, whether it's Arsenal or football related, that's absolutely fine. Uh, we'll be happy to discuss it, happy to talk about it. What we won't be talking about, though, is bloody politics or the coronavirus or anything like that. We're going to be keeping it strictly football, strictly Arsenal for the most part. Uh, but of course, if you've got anything that you want to touch on uh, with regards to the game that we all love, then make sure uh, you uh, drop us a DM at Chronicles underscore AFC. Come join us and uh, we'll get talking. All right. Before we begin, before we start uh, taking you guys' calls, I want to kick off by, um, by first of all, uh, thanking you guys that have signed up to become members of the podcast over the last few days. We launched it last Saturday. Um, an incredible number of you have signed up already. I'm so thrilled. And we've set up a Discord server where we're having good chats and good debates about the Arsenal. Um, and of course, you receive a number of other membership perks. So let me share uh, with you guys what some of those membership perks are, uh, because I want to make you aware of what it is uh, that's on on the offer or on the table, if you like, um, and let you know how it is supporting the podcast. So uh, let's just quickly uh, share the screen with you guys before we start taking the call. So we currently have three tiers of membership. Uh, so you've got the red membership, uh, which is $1.99 a month. That gives you loyalty badges next to your name in the comments and the live chat, uh, connecting with us on social media. It gives you the opportunity to support and be a part of a great community. Uh, and the loyalty badges is there twice. I don't know why. Um, 
The next tier is the gold membership, which is $3.99 a month. Uh, yeah, $3.99 a month. And that one gives you access to members-only videos and live streams, as well as all the things that the red membership gives you. And the platinum membership gives you all of the above and priority on the fans phone-in shows, as well as appearance opportunities on our member stream. And that one is $4.99. So uh, thank you to everybody who's already signed up. And thank you in advance uh, to those of you who um, who are going to sign up. Uh, thank you. Uh, we've got a new member who's joined us uh, this evening as well. A uh, big thank you to Stephen Brown. Uh, Stephen, mate, thank you so much. Really, really uh, appreciate you signing up. Um, great to see you. And uh, we look forward to talking, uh, if not on the Discord server, then uh, right here on the live phone-in show. We're going to kick off, as I said, uh, by discussing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this evening. That's going to be our lead topic. But of course, as I said, happy uh, to jump away from it, happy to discuss uh, other things, uh, you know, with regards to the Arsenal. But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been the subject of much debate uh, of late because, of course, he, you know, he's not been on the best form this season. I think we can all agree that. And when you look at, when you look at the form that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has shown over the last few seasons, this is very out of character. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang joined us midway through the 2017-18 season. He managed to score 10 goals in 13 Premier League appearances. In 18-19, he scored 22 goals in 36 Premier League appearances. Again, excellent return. And in 19-20, despite it being a really bad season for Arsenal, he managed 22 goals again in 36 Premier League appearances. So what has happened? What's gone wrong with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Why has Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's form dipped? Why have the goals dried up? What do you think is the problem? And is it time for Mikel Arteta to take Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang out of the side, albeit temporarily, to give him an opportunity to, to rediscover his best form, to find himself, to have a little bit of a break, to have a bit of a reflection period. What do you think? Let me know uh, in the live chat. Before I come to my first caller, I want to say a big hello to everybody who's in the live chat and, of course, to those of you who will be listening to this back uh, later on. And a special shout-out uh, goes to uh, my great mate, Jacob, uh, from the Watford fan channel, WD18. Uh, Jacob, thank you for tuning in, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. And of course, uh, a big hello to all our members as well, as well as everybody else. Right, let's bring on our first caller this evening. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. What's your name and where are you joining us from? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, mate. Hello, Harry. Good to, good to be on. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm from Portugal. From Portugal? Are you in Portugal yeah. at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm in Portugal and Algarve at the moment, but I'm, uh, I was born in the UK, in London, um, and raised in the UK as well. But I mean, I'm, I'm living in Portugal at the moment. I don't blame you, mate. I'm sure it's much better there than it is here. I'm sure the weather's better anyway, for one thing. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What do you want to talk about, mate? First of all, let's get your opinions on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. What, where do you stand on the Aubameyang debate? We know the form is, is a, a problem at the moment. We know yeah. that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's not quite at the level that he has been. What do you put it down to? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Um, yeah, uh, Aubameyang. Um, I think the problem with Aubameyang isn't necessarily his fault. I think it has to go down to, like you said, all the stats you've given just a few moments ago. Um, he scores loads of goals every season. 
I think it's more down to a creative midfield problem. I think if you look at the service he has, I think Bamiang doesn't get the service he needs every single game. And as a player, he's not very technically gifted um, or, or necessarily going to dribble past three or four players or, or give you a perfect pass. So what he is going to give you is his world-class finishing. And if he's not getting on the end of those chances, then it's, sometimes it's almost as if he's not doing anything on the pitch and he's just like an extra, an extra player. So, what, where would you like to see him play, mate? Would you like to see him play through the middle? Do you think this position on the I left? Don't think the, right? I don't think this. Sorry, sorry. I don't think the position is the problem. I think it's the lack of opportunity he gets. So, we've seen him playing on the left. We've seen him playing on the front, um, and we've seen him score goals in both positions. So I don't think it's necessarily the position that's the issue. I think it's more of a, a lack of opportunities. So many times he's making the runs, and there isn't that midfielder putting in the balls in. Um, give him the one-on-one opportunity for him to score the goal. So I think it's more of a, a midfield problem more than a, a Bamiyan problem. He does look a bit off the pace a little bit. I think one of uh, one of Aubameyang's main um, strengths were his pace. And I think he's lost a bit of, of pace in the last couple of seasons, really. Um, and also, I think he just looks really um, demotivated at the moment, really. So w- what would you do if you were Mikel Arteta, if you were in the hot seat, would you take him out? of the f- and, I'm, and when I say drop him out of the team, I'm not talking about kicking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to the curb and never selecting no, him no, again no. Or, or trying to oust him out of the club. You know, as I've said time and time again on this show, you don't become a shit player overnight. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang exactly. is an excellent striker, but he's just having a rough time of it. Would you take him out of the firing line I temporarily? Yeah, I would take him out for, for three or four games. Uh, as long as Martinelli's fit, at this moment in time, I would start Martinelli. I think Martinelli's got um, a bit more creativity about him. He can he can beat his man. Um, he's got a bit of a bit of pass as well. I think right now, I'm not saying he's better than Aubameyang, but I would start him because I think he's more the type of player that we need at the moment. Um, Aubameyang, he's not giving us what we need, really. Um, and I'd rather see uh, Martinelli playing just for a couple of games to see how he plays. And then I would probably start to rotate a Bamiyang with Lacazette uh, rather than playing um, a Bamiyang on the left. That's if Martinelli plays and if he's fit, of course. If he's not fit, then I don't really see anyone else on the left-hand side. Maybe Saka, but then who would you play on the right? Because no one's really playing well on the right. So we've got, we've got a couple of issues at the moment. It's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what we do. But a Bamiyang for me at the moment, uh, I would start him on the, on the bench uh, and bring him on if we need to. Do you think if Mikel Arteta does take the decision to pull Pierre and Aubameyang out of the firing line temporarily, he'll piss him off? Uh, it's a hard one, you know, because he's just signed a, a mega contract. It's sort of it's similar to Ozil's situation, you know, because we we we've given him a mega contract, and he he's of course he thinks he's the star man now, um, and he is a star man, of course. But I think he will get a bit pissed off. But at the same time, it's down to it's down to his personality um will he look at it as as an opportunity to to make himself better or will he will he sulk and uh and decide to do a similar situation to Ozil we'll have to wait and see but I would I would bench him for sure I don't want to talk about Ozil too much tonight mate because yeah of course yeah, yeah. I feel like we've done it to death <laughs> yeah um over the last week or so but are you glad to see him go 
I wouldn't say I'm glad to see him go. I'm glad in the football um, point of view, um, he was on a lot of money. He wasn't even making the, the bench, which I think is ridiculous. I wasn't his favourite fan, I would say. I, I, I liked him, but I didn't think... I just felt, felt like in too many... In too many opportunities, he disappeared. In the yeah. big games, especially in the big six. Um, but um, I wouldn't say I was glad. I think it was a bit sad the way he left. All this, it got a bit too political. I'm not sure what what happens. Um, but on the pitch, I'm sure. I think you've said it a couple of times. I'm so I'm sure he'd have given given us a bit more, especially when we're lacking so much creativity on this team. Uh, it's sad to see the likes of Joe Willock playing ahead of Ozil. It's really sad because you can't compare. It's night and day. It's night and day. And I'm not his biggest fan, but you can. There's no way Joe Willick is on the same level as Ozil. No way. As bad as Ozil has been. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, mate. Uh, just finally, because we've got uh, quite a few callers that we need to get course, through this evening, yeah. but what do you expect Arsenal to achieve now this season? Are you confident that this little upturn in form means that we can get ourselves back in the mix for a European place? We should be aiming for it, for sure. Um, I'm not sure we can... It's a tough one because... We went on a four-game run and I was thinking, yeah, uh, maybe we can get into Europa League, maybe challenge for the top four. But then Crystal Palace are home again. We should be winning. Uh, we go and draw nil-nil. And you look at, I don't want to bring in other teams, but you look at City, obviously the quality is completely different. They've wasted millions of pounds on, on players. Um, but the way they broke down Crystal Palace, uh, they just made it look easy. And we couldn't, we didn't even look like, we didn't even create an op opportunity. So I would say I would expect us to get at least top eight. Yeah. Um, but hopefully we can try and push on, get a couple of games on the run and uh, push on for a top six. That would be that would be ideal. Cool. Good stuff. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, mate. No problem, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Yeah, sure. Thank you, mate. Cheers, pal. Thank you. That was Chris joining us there from Portugal, from the Algarve to be specific. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new and if you're interested uh, in becoming a uh, member of the channel then click the link in the description it will take you to our membership page you can check out the three different tiers available i know you're probably sick of that word tiers at the moment but check it out uh, and you can decide if uh, and if any of those uh, appeal to you and if so you can join up and join our little chronicles of aguna family let's bring on our next caller welcome to the show dave way join us from pal I'm joining from Ireland, uh, Harry Limerick in Ireland there, so hey. not too far away. Good stuff, Dave. How are you, first of all, mate? Ah, good, man. Just we're getting to grips with the the lockdown and all that again, so it's become the normality. So, just at least we've the football and anyway, we can't complain too much. But um, that's probably about as far as it goes. Yeah, no. Thank God we've got the football. I mean, there's been yeah. talk, hasn't there, that maybe the situation may have come to a point now where it is, it's worth considering a, a little bit of a pause, but yeah, for really it's, it's, it would be disastrous. Yeah. I think for like, even mentally for a lot of people, like on the weekends, this is all we have to get through. And even midweek, it seems to be all re we really have at the moment. So I know yeah. as well, the suggestion is there for maybe putting a circuit breaker on it, but it would be a disaster in one way, but look, it's lives first, as was at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, mate. Um, let, let's talk Aubameyang first. Um, where are you on the whole Aubameyang situation? The question I've asked in the 
title tonight is, is it time for Mikel Arteta to consider uh, dropping Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang out of the starting eleven? Where do you stand on it? I suppose, yeah, it, it has to be at this stage. Um, we tried him up front. We looked worse, I think, when he was up front than even when he was left wing. I suppose left wing now, I don't know. Is he, he, he doesn't seem to me that he's technically good enough. I always had a worry that he wasn't technically good enough, you know, for the wing. He seems to be kind of a number nine, a poacher, but we're probably not good enough for him to play kind of in that number nine role where he's only going to get an, on the in the crosses. Our striker, he needs a link up play to midfield runners and stuff like that, which I don't think Aubameyang can do as well as Lacazette can do. And on the wing, on the wing, he seems to be, when he gets the ball, he's never direct enough. He never seems to want to take on the fullback, you know. He's kind of want he's looking inside and he's looking maybe at Tierney that's behind him. He's trying to link up there. Now he's running his runs inside the fullback are good. But when I think nowadays when the team are setting up now for a bombing on the left, they're setting up in a way to kind of nullify those runs now. So when you take those runs off him, he doesn't seem to have a lot else in him, you know, but again, it kind of feels a little bit crazy speaking about Aubameyang in this way, considering everything he's done, you know, his, his goal-scoring record, even for how kind of how poor he's been this season, his record is still fairly, fairly good, you know, so I suppose it probably feels a little bit harsh, but then you have someone like Martinelli behind him now that's chomping at the bit to get in, it's kind of really kind of cranking up the pressure on him, but mm-hmm. whether Aubameyang has, or sorry, Arteta has he? Does he have the button to drop him? I don't know. But I that's the key point, Dave. That that, that that that's the key point. Is does he have the bottle to drop him? Because we know that that the club uh, were desperate to keep hold of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Let's let's be honest as well. We yeah, as a absolutely. fan base would have gone absolutely mental had Arsenal not uh, tied Pierre Emerick Aubameyang down to that new contract. Having done that, having had lots of conversations with him, essentially spending time trying to convince him that this was the place for him. If you drop him now, you look a bit silly, don't you? And you could cause a rift between the the player and manager. And and I think that's what Mikel Arteta is fearful of. Yeah, because I suppose, like, to make him him sign that contract, he must have got a number of promises in that contract to say, look, you are going to play this amount of games. We will give you that opportunity up front in that. And then if you go back, are the club fearing another situation with you know who would suppose we, we we can't get away from Ozil's name at the minute, but uh, like are the club fearing another situation where they're if they start dropping the bombing does it start causing trouble again, you know, where when he does play, how's his commitment and, and where is his head at? But we're not gonna get a buyer for him. I still don't I think it'd probably be crazy to sell him anyway, like he's that good, but um, yeah, I think we've kind of had tied our hands a little bit with the contract, but with the situation we were in, he won us. He won us a cup, and he was yeah. what one off top goal scorer last season. So we were right to do it at the time. We couldn't kind of envisage yeah, this far down the line what was going to happen. You know, you, you, if you were to say that the back in the last season, Aubameyang is going to go on this run of farm, you would have said, "No, you're crazy." So it was yes, like agree. you can't really blame the club there. I don't think. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there, mate. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining me, mate. Really, really appreciate you. Just before uh, I go, can I just give a shout-out to my mate, Kieran. It's his first time on 
the Chronicles tonight, so hopefully we'll get him back on sooner again. I've been singing your praises, so we finally got him on. Brilliant stuff, mate. Thank you, and a big hello to Kieran as well. Thank you so much, Dave. All the best, mate. Oh, Thanks, Bill. That was uh, the brilliant Dave. Join us from Limerick in Ireland. Uh, let's uh, go to the... First of all, let me say hello to our next caller and then we'll go through the chat box for a couple of minutes just to pick up on some of your comments and try and gauge the general feeling in there. Uh, welcome back to the show, uh, Harry, one of our Platinum members. How you doing, mate? Hey, mate. I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's quickly uh, have a look at the chat. Um, big hello to Thomas, one of our members. He says, smash the like button, Gooners. And Thomas, you're asking if I've read your message on Twitter. I did have a look at it earlier on, mate, but I've been crazy busy today. So apologies. I haven't come back to you just yet. Uh, but if you want to come on the show, mate, and uh, let everybody know what you were telling me in that message, which is very interesting, uh, come on the show, mate. Join us. Drop me a DM at Chronicles underscore AFC and we'll bring you on. Um, Hi to everybody in the live chat. Hi to everybody listening to this back a little bit uh, later on. Um, let's see what the kind of mood is in the live chat at the moment. I can see Afsar Gunnar is is uh, having a go. Arteta is absolutely clueless. Ober is too old. I don't agree with any of that, mate. I think uh, clueless. I'm not sure that it's Mikel Arteta at the moment, mate. I mean, um, let's see what, what the rest of you are saying. Um, uh, it's the too old comment for me, Harry. Too old? He can't be too old, can he? Yet, what is he? Thirty-one yeah. years old? Uh, yeah, I feel like that's like the biggest misconception in football ever. I've mentioned this before, but players in Italy they play internationally, you know, in their mid mid to late thirties for Italy, you know. But in England, we just seem to write player off at, when he goes over thirty. We just see like it's it's mad that they get offered a two-year, three-year deal when they're over 30. Yeah, I don't understand the age thing. Uh, I don't understand the Bamian criticism at all, to be honest. I just I just don't get it. I don't think Spurs fans would be talking about Harry Kane in the same way if he went on a bad run. You know, I think they support him and back him. Um, he's chosen to stay with us for his uh, pig years when he would have had a, you know some really good offers. I think there was talk of Barcelona, right, who wanted him. Yep. I mean, come on, that's one of the biggest clubs in the world, you know who want him and, he, and he's chosen to stay as to build a legacy. Has it worked out this year? No, it hasn't. But everyone's been shit pretty much minus Saka and Martinelli and, you know, a few good performances. Pretty much everyone's been shit. I know your last call to mention when we, when he played up front, it didn't work out for him, but he played centrally when we exhausted all options. The confidence was totally drained. We weren't functioning well as a team. And yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't play well to his strengths when you just leave him up front and there's no service. Um, I think his overall play has been better. I hear this thing about him not being a natural footballer. I disagree with that. I think he is. I just don't think he he necessarily does it. Um, against Palace, I thought he was a, a bit better as a left winger, more traditional, I think. He had to hug the touchline a little bit more because Maitland-Niles wanted to go inside. And I saw a few, you know, promising runs and runs and, and take-ons against, uh, I think it was Ward, the right-back. So I just feel like it's just really, really harsh to judge someone that's coming, um, played under four managers, right? Yeah. yeah. Like in ever-changing systems, has stuck with us, has been consistent. And now because things aren't going well, it's, you know, drop drop over, he's too old and all this stuff. It's like, it's for me, I know you've got to be diplomatic, but I just think it's, it's toxic nonsense. I really do. 
Yeah, I'm, I've always said it, Harry. You all know because you're a regular viewer, listener, whatever you want to call yourself. But, you know, you know that I've I've constantly said it. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will come good again. He's too good a player, too good of a striker not to come good again. And so I completely agree with you where, the, where, where you say that the some of the criticism is over the top. A lot of it is over the top. What I would say, though, is, you know, is it so wrong to consider maybe just taking him out the firing line for a couple of weeks? The problem is, and my worry about that, is the repercussions of it. Do you piss off Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang if you decide, if you tell him, sorry, Pierre, it's not quite working at the moment. You're out. Gabby's in. It feels like... Yeah. It would kind of be a bit of a kick in the teeth to the man that's got the captain's armband that's on this mega money contract that after much sort of, uh, after plenty of conversations has decided that he's going to actually, as you said, give his peak years to this football club. Does it feel to you like that could cause a bit of a rumble and the kind of rumble that, you know, sometimes you just don't come back from? Um, I think he'd come back from it. I just, I just wouldn't back that decision because I just feel like... I feel like once you do that, you almost set yourself a standard, you know, well, he's he's out of form, so I've got to drop him. And then if two or three players go out of form, you've got to drop him. But then if the players waiting in line aren't necessarily chomping at the bit, I know we're talking about Martinelli, but we've got to be so careful with that kid because he's really important to our future. But as he's shown already, you know, he plays at 100 miles per hour and he gets himself injured. So I think we need to ease him in. If we had someone absolutely waiting to come in for a Bamiyang or pushing a Bamiyang, left wing, I'd say, yeah, if Nelson was doing well, if Pepe or William were doing well on the right, so you could put Saka on the left, I'd say, yeah, give it a go. But none of that's really happening, bar Martinelli. Yeah. But I, too, I do think it's way too early to rush Martinelli back. So I would say is is back him, have confidence in him, keep him going, because now the team is functioning a little bit more. Hopefully the goals will come. And if you look at the goal against Newcastle, he could he could have scored that goal from as a right winger, a centre forward, or a left winger. You know he's made a right, he's drifted into the into the box and found a yard. That only comes with an overlapping run from a left footed fullback. Um, so positionally, it doesn't matter too much where he plays. He'll always find himself in a box. But as long as we create, and remember, most teams we play, they play so defensively with such a low block, and sometimes it's hard to to influence the game how you want to or get those chances. I've said it before, but when was the last time we saw Bamiyang? clear through one-on-one on on goal, you know, taking a few touches with with defenders behind him. Very rarely, because every team just sets up so deep and it becomes a possession game. And that's when Aubameyang isn't at his best. So, yeah, back him um, and and hope he comes good again, which he will, man. He scored goals all his life. So you just got to ride it out with him. No, I agree. Um, Harry, stay there. Let's bring on uh, our next caller uh, as well. Just quickly point out this point from Alex McCarthy, who says, we seem to forget that Lacazette almost went a full year without scoring a goal. Um, You know, it's true. Um, It is true. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Fergus, from the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. How are you doing, mate, first of all? Uh, yeah, reasonable, mate. Uh, be a difficult few uh, few weeks, but I'll get into that in a minute if you would spare me a couple of seconds to uh, do something on that. But uh, let's talk football first. I'm not in my normal environment. I don't have my lights on or anything like that. So I'm just here sitting on my sofa. I was literally... I, like the, bed, I was going to say, Fergus, I love the colour of the wall. Yeah, yellow. I just need a blue stripe around the side, but she won't let it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, mate. Go on. What, what did you happy, say? happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, mate. Thank happy you. New Year, mate. Um, uh, well, the Ozil thing. Thank God it's done. Honestly, <laughs> thank God it's done. 
And you have a huge following on here. You've got 11,000 people who follow your uh, YouTube platform. And then you've got another thousands of whatever following your uh, Twitter and Facebook profile. And to all the keyboard keyboard warriors that are out there, who's your next target? Pepe? Abamian? Lacazette? Shaka? Bellerin? I think all of them, Fergus. That's the problem. Uh, you know what? <laughs> they should spend more of their time supporting this club. Yeah, okay, wrong badge, but who knows, and all that sort of stuff. But they should spend more of their time supporting Arsenal Football Club rather than sitting on the keyboards and just dissing this player and dis- – I sound like a kid now – dissing this player and dissing that kid, that, that player. Um, it, it's just unreal. Uh, Players hit bad form. Aubameyang uh, will come good uh, if he can get his head right, um, similar to Ozil. Ozil couldn't get his head right. I think the robbery in London absolutely ruined him. Um, I also think the Premier League was uh, probably a step too far for him. His talent is, you know, he, he's an amazing, talented player. He would be fantastic in Fenerbahce. He, you know... Uh, his best games he played for us were predominantly in European competitions when he's playing a European game of football rather than a Premier League uh, game of football. He didn't like Palace away when he threw his gloves at um, uh, Emery in the mint green shirt and stuff like that. He, 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 he likes, he never really turned up hugely at uh, a lot, a lot of the big games, some, not all. Um, but I, I just thought, I think it was just a bit too much for him. He should have probably gone before his contract uh, renewal the last time. Really? Um, but, do, you, do, you, do you think that? Because I, I think that this fan base would have had an absolute meltdown had we lost Ozil and Sanchez at the same time. And, and that was my next sentence. My next sentence was, I don't think Wenger on the pressure he was under at the time. And... Uh, losing Sanchez to Man United, uh, a rival to us, and Ozil, it would have been, uh, yeah, it, Jesus, you think it gets toxic now? I think it, it would have been nuclear disaster, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, on the Aubameyang thing, Fergus, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not someone who's sitting here saying that I want him out of the team forever. Um, you watch this show regularly, you'll know that I'm constantly saying it. Aubameyang will bounce back. Aubameyang will score goals again. But what, what's your thoughts on the idea of him being left out of the team for, for maybe a week or so now, just to kind of, you know, take that pressure off him? Because there is a pressure on Aubameyang right now. Every game, everybody's looking at him to score. Yes, he scored against Newcastle in the FA Cup. But other than that, goals have been very, very hard to come by for him. Would you consider taking him out of the firing line just temporarily? I would have considered doing that two or three weeks ago. Now that he scored from open play and from across um, against Newcastle and he looked like he was starting to get to enjoy football again, I would consider and start him again uh, against Newcastle. Uh, who did he score against? He scored... Uh, I'm losing track. There's a lot, 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 lots, uh, lots of football over Christmas and lots going on. But um, he scored in open play and... That's really, really helped him, I hope. 
Um, I'd probably start him, him and Lacazette, but I would have easily rotated Lacazette if Martinelli is fully fit. But as... Um, so I missed your name. Sorry, mate. Harry, mate. Got a great name. Harry. He's got a yeah. good name. Oh, the two Harrys. Bloody hell. <laughs> should be the name of the show, shouldn't it, really? <laughs> um, but uh, as you said, Harry, uh, we've got to be really careful with Martinelli. Martinelli, uh, we're doing it a little bit with Saka. Uh, we're exploiting their talent so, so much. And you could see Saka just before Christmas, before he went for a few games, that he was just looking absolutely shagged. And I don't want that to happen to Martinelli. Um, people were complaining about why uh, Mary was rested. He'd been out for like six, nine months with an injury. He's played four or five games. So you need to ease these players back in. Uh, I, I, in, in a short answer, which I don't normally do, um, to your question, uh, I would probably play Aubameyang tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think for me... It depends on, on, on the... And I'll come back to you, Harry, quickly, just before we bring in our next uh, caller. For me... Sorry, Harry. Harry, can I can I have two seconds after you've spoken to Harry? Yeah, I of just course. Wanna, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, for me, it's dependent on the fitness of Gabriel Martinelli tomorrow. That's mm. the key bit for me here. If Gabriel Martinelli is fit enough to start, then I would consider taking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang out and playing Martinelli on the left, if not just for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang right now, because I think that it will give us a better balance. I think that Gabriel Martinelli is more naturally suited to playing on that left flank than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is. So for me, that's the way I'd look at it. We're told that Martinelli is available for selection. That was the official update that came from the club earlier today. Would you do that? What's, what's it dependent on for you, Harry? Well, I mean, we're, we're in a, a slightly more fortunate position where we can semi-rely on Lacazette now. So if you do take a Bamiang out, you know, you've got someone with a bit more confidence. Personally, I, um, I, I wouldn't do it because I think it's you just have to measure the risk over reward. And I know Martinelli might be deemed match fit, but as we've seen already, you know, he, he goes into tackles flying. He's he's running around like a madman in the warm-up. If someone says to him, just calm down, ease yourself into the game, then I'd say potentially consider Martinelli starting, but just because of who Martinelli is and how he plays, I just think it's too risky, man, because if that kid gets injured again, rolls his ankle, takes a kick, takes a knock, you, you just leave yourself in a really, really hard position when the game starts to come thick and th fast. And yeah, we just have to be careful we don't put too much pressure on these kids, especially when they're coming back from an injury. I think we underestimate, underestimate the effect that has on them psychologically and physically. When you, when you take a big injury like that, it takes you a long time to get up to speed. And yeah. I know Martinelli seems like... He is up to speed, but you just pick up these random challenges that you that you or random you know injuries that you might have not picked up had you been fit. So I think um I just think stick with the Bamiang and and obviously you know you have to talk about it, but just the fact that people are, are questioning him you know just makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I just don't think it's it's how we should be uh be acting and sometimes you know how we're perceived to other fan bases makes me feel a little bit little bit uncomfortable because I think we're a lot better than that as, as a fan base just to say, hey, yeah, he's going through a rough patch, but let's, yeah. let's keep going with him. He's scored a lot of goals. And like I said, you right at the start, Spurs fans wouldn't be saying the same about Harry Kane. Forget that Harry Kane's yeah. a, a London boy or one of their own, even though he's not, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So let's, let's, let's just back the guy. And do you know what? I bet he fucking bags a hat-trick tomorrow. And if you've got a show tomorrow night, I'll come on here and told you, say I told you so. 
in true Kevin Keegan style, I'm going to say. Yeah. I would love it. I would love <laughs> it if yeah, Emrick Aubameyang did it. <laughs> Fergus, just, just coming back to you quickly, mate, before I, I move on to our next caller, what did you want to say? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, listen, uh, mine is more non-football related. Mine is more about uh, the world pandemic that we're going on at the moment. I'm pushing this message across my platform and everything else. Uh, some people who will know on Guns and Yellow Ribbons, uh, my wife and I both tested positive, as you did, Harry, over, over Christmas and New Year. My wife ended up in hospital uh, for the new year. And unfortunately, yesterday she went back into hospital and she's um, really, really, really having a, a tough time of it. So I just wanted to say to people, um, if you have opinions that you think um, it's not real or whatever, tell me, uh, take it from me. It, it definitely is real. Um, but I would greatly appreciate if you don't start sharing your opinions or having having some balance with your opinions on the various social media platforms and i'd also um appreciate if um if people you know obeyed the rules i i tried to explain this before that you might have 10 people in a room and and all of us could get it and none of us get any symptoms and then one person could pass it on to somebody you love or care about and get it bad. And I type a like the missus, and she's got it bad. So I just want to say is try and stick to the rules. Don't necessarily agree with the way the government are doing it, but I'm not getting into politics. I'm into healthcare. And thank you, NHS. You are amazing. Thank you for this moment. Yeah, completely agree. Cheers, Fergus. Thank you so much, mate. And we wish her uh, all the best. As you said, I've had it. I know it's quite... I had it four or five days. I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but I had four or five days where I was very unwell. Um, fortunately for me, touch wood after that, it passed. But yeah, my mum ended up in hospital as well. So um, I know how serious it is, but thank you, Fergus. And uh, we wish her thank all you. the best. Cheers, Good mate. Up the Cheers. That was Fergus from the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. Make sure you check it out. Let's move on to our next caller. Thank you for waiting very, very patiently there in the background. May Sam, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? I'm very well, Harry. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, it's been a it's been a weird day today because I was looking forward to today. I looked at the fixtures at the start of the week. I thought Everton, Aston Villa, that's a really good game. And then we'll skip the Spurs one. And then we've got Manchester United, Liverpool. And then we've got the game between Inter and Juve. And and Everton Villa got cancelled. The Spurs game was a, a foregone conclusion, unfortunately. And that game between Manchester United and Liverpool was so boring. Uh, it kind of spoiled my day a bit. Thankfully, the Derby d'Italia kind of saved it a little bit. Uh, Mason, what do you want to say on the Arsenal, mate? The platform is yours. Thanks so much, Harry. And uh, before I start, I have to say that you promised us to shave us your head. And I was looking forward to welcoming you to the club. Uh, it hasn't I, quite I happened. I'll be honest, Maysam, I bottled it, mate. I bottled it. I shaved my beard, which, as you can see, for a Greek man, means nothing. Because after a week, it comes back. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I was going to do the hair, but now I've decided I'm going to grow it instead. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. But better late than never. I That's it. Um Anyway, um, Harry, I wanted to make a point um, because obviously I'm a regular watcher of your show and uh, uh, I've seen you making the point quite a few times about um, Arteta's lack of experience uh, yep. and, uh, you know, using phrases such as rookie managers and lack of experience shown through. And I just wanted to put a counter argument to that and happy to debate Go for it. it. Mate. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, just looking across the career of football managers, Harry, what I actually seem to realize is that um, there's actually not a lot of evidence to suggest that football managers necessarily get better as they get more experience. So, for example, I'll give you a, a few examples because there are even evidence to suggest the contrary to that. And as football manager gets more experience, their, their methods get like a little bit outdated and then they get found out a little bit. Like if you look at example of Arsene Wenger, for example, in his first years, he had like loads of innovative ideas, but you know, towards the latter years, he, he was really, his methods was outdated and really questionable. I mean, if you look at Jose Mourinho, for instance, regardless of what you think him right now, some people rate him, some people don't, but you know, regardless of what you think of him now, he's not the same Mourinho that, as he was in 2004 and won Champions League with Porto. Or if you look at Carla Angelotti, for example, is, is another one. Again, um, some people say that he's doing well at Everton, but, you know, he's gone from managing Real Madrid and, and Bayern Munich to managing Everton, which is uh, basically um, a testament of his stand within the game right now. On the other hand, if you look at the careers of um, some of the rookie managers, like Zinedine Zidane was a rookie manager when he won La Liga, and Champions League with Real Madrid. Pep Guardiola himself was a rookie manager when he took over at Barcelona and won everything that was there to, to win. Jose Mourinho at Porto is another example of rookie managers. Um, so was Diego Simeone at Atleti uh, when he initially took over. I even think Jorgen Klopp was largely inexperienced at the top level when he landed his Dortmund job and was so successful there. Um, so this, this, uh, this isn't me coming up with a crazy theory to defend Mikel Arteta, but there is a wide view within the game that is increasingly shared uh, that actually people who have the most innovative ideas uh, tend to do a lot better than the managers. You look at like the English clubs, three out of the six, out of the big six managers uh, that clubs have appointed, all of them are rookie managers, Frank Lampard, Mikel Arteta, and... Uh, Olegon are social. Uh, you see at Juve, they have appointed Del Piero as a rookie manager. You see the likes of Nagelsmann in, in Germany. And um, the, this, is, this is not just something that Mikel Arteta, there seems to be an increasingly um, overwhelming amount of evidence that actually uh, football managers don't necessarily get better with times. And, uh, I think the simple example of that was that if it was something that people were getting better with times, you know, <laughs> would have simply had yes. Roy Hodgson and Sam Allardyce, you know, as the best uh, managers hey, in the world right now. Hey, Sam, you, you make some really good points. I'm going to bring Harry in. Um, wh where, what do you make of, of, of May Sam's argument? And then I'll, I'll give my take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a football cliche. Let's just say when... I tell you what, if Saka starts to go out of form, people will say he's too young. It's too much for him too soon. Uh, when Aubameyang goes out of form, people start to question his age. Uh, when Arteta makes mistakes, people will also question his inexperience. There's no doubt that um, he's an inexperienced manager because he, it's his first gig. Um, and there's no doubt that he is learning as he goes in some aspects. But that's that's natural because it's his first job at, at a really big club with a incredible, uh, you know, in, in a really pressured environment, especially during a pandemic as well. Um, I think that the problem, 
that Arteta has, or not, or not problem that he has, but the the problem is that there's been a few incidents when you when he's kind of showed perhaps a little bit of naivety or his inexperience uh, with how he's treated a few players, uh, with the chopping and changing of shape quite frequently, uh, with the persistence of certain players, i.e., Willian. Um, so I think the any criticism of Arteta is, I believe, is fair, but I also believe it will prove to be wrong because I'm. I'm convinced that he'll go on to be uh, an incredible manager. And I think he'll be incredibly successful um, at our club. Um, obviously, he's got over the the, the blip, uh, which I'm glad because I couldn't personally see him turning it around in that respect. I know I'm saying it's going to be class, but when it was that bad, I yeah. thought, oh, where, where's the next win going to come? But yeah, I mean, you make some good points. I think, um, you know, there's some managers who come into it really, really early and get a chance, um, like Perlo at Juve, and they rock it. And there's some managers who probably struggle a bit like Lampard at, um, at Chelsea. I know he's done well, but he's struggling as well. The thing and, is... And bear in mind, just, sorry, just to, to respond to Harry's point, the, the point that I'm making is, is not necessarily that those mistakes may not have happened, uh, but the point is is about the experience. So, for example, I'm saying that if Frank, Frank Lampard is not working, you know, if he gets a, you know, a few more year, years of experience, he's not going to become all of a sudden a better manager. That That's the point that I'm trying to make, that... Not all, not yeah, every yeah, yeah. manager necessarily works. It's just whether the experience actually makes you, you know, take it to another level. Sorry, I, uh, I would respectfully disagree, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I'll give you the reasons why. So, first yeah. of all, somebody like Frank Lampard, I don't think it's it's really working for Frank Lampard. But Frank Lampard did manage Derby County in the Championship before taking the Chelsea job, so. Frank Lampard went into that job having experience as a manager. You talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, managed Cardiff City, managed Mulder, and then got the Manchester United job. In Mikel Arteta's case, we're talking about someone who's come from being a number two to being a number one without a massive club without anything in between. And when I say that experience does help, you know, you mentioned Roy Hodgson there and you mentioned Sam Allardyce. And Sam Allardyce has built a reputation on going and saving clubs from the drop. Now, I don't like Sam Allardyce. I can't stand the guy. <laughs> I think he's a, an absolute Neanderthal. I think he's a dinosaur. I hate his style of football. I hate the way he tries to manipulate the media. Um, I, I just think you've got to be the biggest idiot in the world to work your whole career to get the England job and then go mess it up because you got drunk in a pub and told someone something you shouldn't have. So, I've got, I don't respect Sam Allardyce, but what Sam Allardyce has done is he's put together a little bit of a playbook, hasn't he, of how to turn around teams that are struggling at the bottom of the table. Now, Sam Allardyce's methods and Sam Allardyce's kind of, you know, his instruction manual that he turns to when he gets one of these jobs has been put together over years and years and years of having seen different situations, of having handled different players, different personalities. Um, you know, he might go into a dressing room and look at five, six players and think, right, this player, I need to put my arm around this one. I need to make him feel that, you know, I really support him. This guy, though, on the other side of the dressing room, well, he needs tough love. He needs something completely different. And I think you only learn that by being in the situations and by the gaining that experience. Somebody like Roy Hodgson, who... You know, barring Wilfred Zaha has got a very average side at Crystal Palace, but you, you can guarantee one thing at the start of every season. 
Crystal Palace under Roy Hodgson will not be relegated because you know he's another one who, again, can pull on years of experience, I think, to get him out of certain situations. In Mikel Arteta's case, I think some of the problems that he's encountered have been because of his lack of lack of that, lack of understanding of maybe how things work in terms of the, the dressing room dynamic. He came out and he criticised Nicolas Pepe after that red card, which, look, we can all agree the red card on Nicolas Pepe's part was, was stupid. It was a moment of madness. He came out, he had a little bit of a dig at Nicolas Pepe in, um, in the post-match interview. And from the reports we were reading and, and from what we were told, it felt as though the group had shown their displeasure at that. They were unhappy with the way that he called him out in public. A few weeks later, Granit Xhaka goes and does pretty much the same thing. And and again, you know, hinders our chances of getting a result. And Mikel Arteta all of a sudden takes a slightly different approach, a less, you know, a less dramatic approach towards it after the game. Why? Because I think he learned from that. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that the lack of experience it is a problem. And having had that experience of doing it to Nicolas Pepe and seeing the backlash that it caused behind the scenes, he has now developed that skill and he now knows that he shouldn't do that. And that's what I'm talking about. There will be situations that until you experience them, you will never learn about them. You'll never understand them. And Mikel Arteta is going to come across that. He's going to have that issue time and time again as a manager. Carlo Ancelotti for me, had you brought him into Arsenal at the time Mikel Arteta came in, I honestly believe that with his experience, he would have got Arsenal would have finished higher than we did last season at the end of the campaign. Because somebody like Carlo, I think, would have had the tools to say, I can get an instant impact out of this group rather than it being such a long process. Is that good for the long term? Maybe not. But in the short Harry, term, um, I think it matters. Can I just open a bracket there? Because I know that yeah. you know your, your Serie A quite well. He brought mm-hmm. Napoli to its knees. Carlo Angelotti brought Napoli. No, that, that, that's, that's not true, though, May Sam. That's not true. I, I watch Napoli quite a lot, and they Na- have Napoli, much better players than us. Napoli were brought to their knees because of Aurelio De Laurentiis, their owner. Um, there were issues behind the scenes at that football club. He refused. Do, do you remember when, when the pandemic was starting? Do you remember when the pandemic was starting? There was a right at the beginning, Aurelio De Laurentiis decided he wanted to send all of his players to a training camp because Napoli were not getting results. And some of them refused to go because of everything that was going on with the pandemic. And he decided to turn around and and I can't remember the exact details of it, but he said something along the lines of, well, whoever doesn't go isn't getting paid or is going to be fined. And Carlo Ancelotti was put in a position at Napoli where he was fighting against the owner or fighting against these players. It was a, There's a lot of stuff that was going on in the background there. And I think you only need to look at the Premier League table now and where Everton are to, to see that actually Carlo Ancelotti is not finished. I mean, it, it, he's done so far quite well. You know, I'd, I'd like to reserve judgment uh, for a bit of a longer term. And uh, I do think Everton actually has a better side than Arsenal at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, you you make some good points there. You know, the, the issue that you mentioned on Pepe and Shaka, kind of difference of treatment. I don't have that knowledge whether the caused the backlash. Um, the reporter asked him whether you see um, it, it was the same thing as Pepe done. Uh, do you, do you say the same thing about him? And he said, 
exactly the same. Uh, and then he went on, uh, you know, to probably agree that he was, uh, his tone was a little bit more relaxed about it. Uh, but also I think that's um, a function of the fact that um, Shaka is really liked by managers. You know, he's, uh, yeah. he's like a player that people like his attitude. That's a, that's a good point. He is liked and he also wasn't in the press a few days before complaining about a lack of game time and then having been given the opportunity went and done that. So yeah, but but my point is a more experienced manager I think would handle that behind the scenes and not yeah, bring uh, that to the post-match interview. I think when Arsenal I think Arteta, sorry, I think Arteta in that game was just probably so pissed off, right? Like you say, yeah. Pepe was kicking up a fuss and he comes on and he, and he plays shit and then he gets sent off. And then with Xhaka, I think he was probably in a bit more of disbelief. Like, have you really let me down? You're meant to be my my go-to man. You know, I yeah. brought you back into the team and you've let me down. But you're right, Harry, in terms of him learning from his experience, his inexperience and not making the same mistake twice, which is great. We just have to understand that as fans, that he will make those mistakes. So you almost have to give him a free pass. And then if you look at Arteta's career, even as a player at Everton, he played a bit more of an attacking role, sometimes right mid when Cahill was playing, you know, as a number 10 or, or, or a central midfielder. Sometimes he played centre mid. And as he got older, his career evolved. He became less of a flamboyant player and more of a traditional footballer. He came to Arsenal, slotted in the centre mid role, then slotted in for Song when Song left, became a CDM. And then it almost became like a British player, you know, a holding midfielder with a, with a great attitude. And He's probably coming to management thinking, this is how I need to be. I need to be firm. I need to be uh, opinionated. I need to come in and say, right, X, Y, Z is wrong. What Emery did isn't on. This is how we're going to do things. He probably wanted to maybe drop Ozil quicker, but he also wanted to get the fans on his side. So he kept a few things going. Um, And now he's learning as he goes that actually, if Gwen Doozy is a little bit OTT, that means... That the way he plays, it's the same the way it's the same way he plays the game, right? He's really expressive. He gets in people's faces. Um, you can you can rely on him. So it means that outside of football, those those traits, those characteristics are probably going to be the same. He's probably going to be a little bit crazy. So rather than say this is how you do it, you have to be like this. Then I think he would appreciate Arteta would have appreciated or would now understand. You know what? Maybe I could have treated him like this, but he was so hung up on getting his principles installed in the club and the non-negotiables that anyone that didn't agree essentially had to be moved out or had to be, yeah, yeah or, or, or was kind of disregarded for the and, first team. And sometimes, as a football manager, your, your your job is to win games, right? Sometimes, and we've all been there, we've all worked in environments where there's been somebody in our team that we don't necessarily see eye to eye with. We don't necessarily feel... Uh, you know, are on the same page as us, but you know that they can bring something to the table and you know that you need them at some point. So you just manage that relationship for the greater good. You've got a project. It's a difficult project. You need this person's help. They're not your best friend in the world, but you will, you know, you will make that effort because you need them. And that's where you need to be clever as a football manager as well. You can go you know, all hardline on your principles. But ultimately, that means jack shit if you're not winning football matches. Listen, if you've got 400 million to spend and you can go and get your perfect central midfielder who's tactically amazing, but also from a personality perspective, he's on point mentality, then great. But you can't. And if Arteta, uh, maybe he was slightly fooled by some of the promising performances of the youngsters or some, you know, some good cameos. But when you look at the players that we've let leave to the players that, Featuring the first team, you know, Torreira, Willock, uh, Gwenduzi, Willock, then you know Torreira and Gwenduzi are going to be 
are better footballers. You just know that. But Willock yeah. perhaps has the attitude, the hunger, the yes, sir, I'll do it. What do you want from me, boss? Whereas yeah. those players might object a little bit more. But listen, man, you you learn as you go. And and to compare him to, um, you can compare him to Lampard and Solskjaer in terms of experience. But let me tell you, Solskjaer is not a coach. Solskjaer is a is a man manager. Uh, man United have chucked money at that project. Uh, the reason why he's not a coach is because they're bringing in lots of coaches around Solskjaer to help him. He is a man who's who's seen as a bit of a leader and who is seen as someone who knows the club, understands the principles. And that's why he's got that Man United gig. And they're too scared to sack him because they, they like him too much. And at the minute, it's working for him, but only because they've spunked so much money. And Lampard, I think, is a hybrid of Solskjaer and Arteta. I think he's tactically uh, good, but I don't think he's near Arteta. I just think he has a greater pool of players uh, around him that will get him out of the shit. But I, I yeah. believe that Arteta is tactically uh, incredible. I just think he needs the right players to, to do that system. And until he has the right players, then he just has to work with what he's got in, in the right way. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Maysam, thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate no, you coming on, always as always. Yeah, thank you, mate. And always, so always happy to have a good chat, mate. Thank you so much. Always. Bye. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was Maysam. Uh, let's move on to our next call. Let's bring two in at once because we're running a little bit short on time. So let's bring them both in. First of all, uh, Thomas, who's joining us from Norway. How you doing, mate? How you doing, man, Harry? Yeah, I'm good. Pal, how, how are you? You good? How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. Fantastic. Did you see my uh, my uh, DM? Yeah, I, I, I've read it, but you're going to tell the yeah. listeners what it is. Bear with me one second. Let's bring in uh, okay. Salim from the Algerian Gunas as well. Check out the Algerian Gunas. How you doing, Salim? Hi. Hi, everybody. How are you doing, guys? Hey, buddy. All good, man. All good. Um, good Thomas, let's, let's let's come back to you, mate. What what was it that you yeah. sent me earlier on? Let's share it with the listeners. So, so with some exciting news going on, my friend is a, is an agent down in South America. And he has like four, uh, four of the top players for Ecuador. And one of those players, they are, it's uh, this guy, this Moses Saicedo. Yep. Uh, and Brighton, Bright, he's working with Brighton right now about this transfer. And uh, his, he called me two days ago and said, hey, I had, he knows I'm a gunner, right? So he knows I love Arsenal. So he said, I, I have some great news for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's the news? And he's like, eh, Brighton is looking at my player. And if, if yep. Brighton buys my player, if they buy this guy, this Moses Saicedo, then uh, Brighton, uh, they are willing to let uh, Busuma go. To Arsenal, maybe. Ooh. So, uh, and and uh, and uh, and my friend, he ha he he lives in Brazil, and uh, he has an agency in Brazil, an agency in Ecuador. And you can go, you can go and check him. He works with uh, the likes of Romario, if you remember uh, Romario, the football player, the Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, William's dad, the Arsenal William dad. Brilliant. So he's dad as well. Yeah. That's so if, uh, if, uh, if Arsenal do end up with uh, Bissouma, then you need to come. Everybody needs to thank Thomas for that inside information. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to put a bet on now. I'm putting a bet on yeah, right now. We're all going to do it. <laughs> Salim, let's come to you, mate. Um, we've been talking about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, this evening. That's been the lead topic. We've been discussing whether or not he needs a little bit of a break, whether he needs to be taken out of the firing line. Would you put his poor form down to this season and I say poor you know Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has still scored goals this season 
Um, just not as many as usual. He's got uh, five in six, if you count the community shield in all competitions uh, so far this season. What do you put the, the, the lack of form down to? Well, first of all, I'm going to be very short. Uh, I know I've got some people waiting probably. Um, I just want to talk about the fan base a little bit because as a fan base, I think as Arsenal fan base, we are really impatient with some of the players. And that's how we are. Uh, I mean, we, the fact is, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is one of the best players. You can't just drop him. You need to remember also, he's the captain. So it's not easy for Mikel Arteta to drop him. I think he played well against Newcastle. He, uh, yeah, he came back on the score sheet. Uh, Crystal Palace, well, I think he, he had a decent game. But I, I won't drop him, definitely. Uh, he's our captain. And I think he will come back. I, I still believe strongly that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will definitely come back. He's a great player. We know that he's a great striker. It's just, you know, we've seen that with some players in, in football history, with some great players, they have this, um, how is it called, like period where, you know, I don't know if it's uh, due to lack of confidence or call it whatever, because when you look at the team overall the, the, this season, the there's no one, you know, apart from Martinelli, maybe Saka, Tierney. The rest has been, sorry, shit. So it's not down to, you know, it's, yeah. So, I mean, it's not only Aubameyang when you look at it. So I think, yeah, dropping would be a mistake. Dropping him would be a mistake, definitely. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Um, let's come back to you, Thomas. Where are you yeah. on the Aubameyang thing? I think we should, uh, as uh, as uh, as supporters, start supporting our our players, right? Uh, now Özil is gone, or it looks like he's going to go, and uh, now the next big uh, money man is is uh, Aubameyang. And but the difference between these two players is Aubameyang has saved us as a football club, right? We we have to we, we can't we we can't forget what he's done for us, yeah, and. Uh, so what? He has a different form. Doesn't matter. When he starts scoring again, then we all know what's going to happen. Yeah, he needs just to get that confidence back, or maybe drop him for maybe drop him for maybe one game, two games. You know, but we 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 have to support Aubameyang right now. I don't think we should uh, be. He knows he's not doing well right now, right? So we need to support this guy. I think, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We need to support him, as I said, Harry. We, we, yeah. we have to because he's been our best player the last for the last couple of seasons, and you know, we've just uh, got him a new contract for big money, so you can't just drop him. And when we talk about dropping him, who's going who, who's who's going to play instead? Are we going to put Edin exactly. Ketia? So we have no, to use our. For me, it would be yeah. it would be Gabriel Martinelli coming in on the left. For, for a while. But th this is the point, and I want to make this clear because I've put this in the title because this is what we're discussing, and yeah. I put the question there. But the reason I, I wanted to discuss this question is because it's not a simple one. It's not a case of just saying, yeah, drop him. Be or, you know, because if you say, yeah, drop him, there are lots of implications to that. You drop him, you upset him. He's your captain. You, you're kicking him when he's down. Mm. Um, you know, th there's that element to it. But by the same token, the team at the moment, in my opinion, looks a little bit unbalanced. And, you know, with especially without Kieran Tierney the other night, we didn't create anywhere near enough. So 
Mikel Arteta is in a between a rock and a hard place right now because does he prioritize the the kind of the balance of the team or does he stick by the guy who has committed his future to this football club has essentially just won Mikel Arteta an FA Cup and brought him plenty of goodwill with the fan base this is where as a manager you earn your money now because you have to make these difficult decisions um you know and and, and Harry we've spoken about it already but that that does feel doesn't it like that's the the situation Mikel finds himself in now yeah, and you're totally right about the imbalance of the team. And I think that's probably the, the most uh, important part when you're talking uh, about football in terms and with the BAM game. Because, yeah, without a left-footed left-back, then he has to become more of a, you know, a, a left-winger or a left-midfielder. And he doesn't, he doesn't essentially have those qualities. But what I would say is that he's not missing any chances, right? He's not missing obvious goal-scoring chances. Maybe he's missed a few, but, you know, he hasn't missed any massive chances. Um, he's certainly not been finishing clinically, but you're not talking about him missing sitter after sitter. You're not talking about him looking really lazy. You're not talking about him giving the ball away or throwing his arms up in the air. So he's not a Truly. burden to the team. He's just not being as prolific um, as he should be. And like I've said many a times, when a Bamyang scores a goal in an Arteta system, it's often the end of a of a flowing attacking move or it's often the end of a really intricate system. And that doesn't necessarily have to involve a Bamyang. That can come from Saka, it can come from Pepe, it can come from a Xhaka through ball to Tierney and then one pass to Tierney, one pass to Bamyang and he scores. So we're just looking for him to rediscover that form. Um, but you're right about the balance. And when you don't have the ball, when a left midfielder does get it, you want someone who can hold the ball, you know, take on the fullback or make sure possession ticks over. And sometimes he doesn't always do that. But you know, that's not his game. And we're never going to criticise Ozil for, you know, for not jumping up for a header. We, we, we will, but if you do, you're stupid because he's never going to do it. You'd never criticise Giroud for not taking on four players and, and scoring a screamer. Sometimes you have to understand what players' games are. And if you don't understand that and you still want to go in at Bamiang, then you'll be having a go at him whenever he doesn't score, which is just pointless. Yeah, I'm just going to add something quickly, Harry. Uh, I, I just, yeah. I just, wait, wait, I just want to compare something, yeah? Let's compare it. <laughs> Jaka, he's been playing. He's been playing for us for five years, yeah. He's and he's been playing like shit for five years, total garbage for five years. I'm sorry, I have to say it. So and we're not we're not on his case. We gave him four years before we we talk shit about his uh, about his game, right? And we still now praise him. I don't know why people praise him, but people still praise him because he he drags people down. American football or something, you know. <laughs> but but Abomayang, on the other hand, Abomayang, <laughs> yeah. We we, yeah, we got Harry. trust in the Shaka, mate. Trust in the Shaka. Yeah, I, thought, I thought everyone loved Shaka. I thought Shaka was everyone's favorite player. Yeah, I don't know where they're coming from. Trust uh, in the Shaka, man. So let's come back to you, mate. What was you going to say? Uh, yeah, uh, just about Abomayang. He's he's not about Abomayang. Is not he's not about he's so important to the team because. He's not, it's not about scoring goals only. His work rate, right? He's giving problems to the opponent's de yeah. defences. So we really need him. It's not about scoring. Yes, maybe he's not scoring, but you have to look at the bigger picture. He's a team player. He's, he, we really need him. His work rate, as I said, he's giving, he's a poison to the to defenders, to the opponents. So dropping Aubameyang for me, it's, it's a no-go, definitely. Good stuff. Guys, we're going to leave it there because uh, we've run over time. But thank you so much. Uh, Cheers, for your guys. Contributions. Thank you, Salim. Thanks, check Henry. out Cheers. the Algerian Gunas. Check out Thomas on Twitter as well. Thomas, what's your Twitter handle, mate? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know, man. 
I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I don't know. But, but, <laughs> but if people want to follow, follow my, if people want to follow my friend, the agent, then you can go to J dot F L O L O on Instagram. Follow my friend there, and you can see he's gonna be posting when he's in London and doing his thing. We'll do, man, definitely. Make okay. sure you do. Thank you so much. Guys. Have a good one. Cheers, yeah. Salim. Take care, Cheers guys. guys. Cheers. That leaves just me and Harry. Um, let's quickly have a quick look at uh, the the live chat, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> Lots of you making Xhaka comments. Carlito Elguna says, oh, oh, just hit a raw nerve with Harry talking about Xhaka. Look, I just, I just think the guys had a hard time from Arsenal fans from the day he arrived. Um, sometimes it's been justified, but a lot of the time it hasn't been. Um, Harry, give the let's... guy a break, man. Give Xhaka a break. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I... Just give the guy a break. He got sent off against Burnley. Otherwise, he's been all right this season. I get that he's not everyone's ideal central midfielder, but... Man United won league titles with Darren Fletcher and Anderson playing central midfield. You know, yeah. build a good team around them. You'll you do all right. They, give the guy a break. He tries his hardest. Yeah, agreed. He's not my my ideal central midfielder either, but I can recognise that he feels a bit like the best of a bad bunch at the moment. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at as a football club right now. And we've got to accept that. Um, just before we leave it, Harry, uh, I want to say thank you uh, to you for becoming a member as well. Really appreciate the support, mate. Uh, thank no you worries, for coming mate. phoned in as well and giving us some really good, uh, calm, measured opinions. Absolutely love it. Uh, thank you to everyone in the chat box as well. Um, I can see you lot was having some scraps amongst yourself tonight, but we were discussing a few divisive topics. So there you go. Um, if you do want to become a member, click on the link in the description. It allows us uh, to bring more of this type of content to you. It gives me more time, gives me more freedom to do that. Uh, so, yeah, if you're interested, check it out. Um, final thoughts going into the game uh, against Newcastle United tomorrow. We're going to be doing a live watch along right here on the channel. Um, and last week, lots of you asked for the crowd effects. And guess what? We've only gone and landed the crowd effects. So you're going to have that FX while uh, in the background. So it won't sound like a complete uh, damp squid with me just talking uh, nonsense over it. Uh, yeah. So uh, looking forward to bringing you that watch along. So come and join me for that. 8 p.m. kickoff will be kicking off here at 7.45. Harry, how are you feeling just finally, mate, about going into this one? Are you confident? Do you think that it's going to be pretty much the same kind of performance from Newcastle that we saw in the FA Cup and therefore Arsenal probably need to be a bit patient? Yeah, I think it depends on the fitness of Wilson, right? I assume he's fit, um, but Bruce might go, fuck it, you know, Carroll caused him a problem last time and go with Carroll. Um, I think we'll be okay, but so much of us depends on getting that early goal, doesn't it? Once we score early, we play a little bit more relaxed. Uh, if we go second half and it's still nil-nil, they defend deeper and deeper, it becomes hard. But listen, so much of our performances now are based on how productive Emil Smith-Rowe can be, how productive Saka can be, you know, because they're our main creators. So it's a lot of pressure on those guys. So if Emil Smith-Rowe has a really productive game and we can find him through the lines, then we'll be all right. But if he struggles like he did against Palace, then then we might be questioning Aubameyang again or questioning, you know, Lacazette again. So fingers crossed, but I would go for a 3-0. I'll go 3-0. That would be my prediction, 3-0. I went for 1-0 in the preview show. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> already uh, go back and, uh, and have a look at the preview show. If you are listening via the audio, it's the last podcast in your feed. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, we've run well over the hour, as we always do with these phone-in shows, but it's just, it, it happens. 
shit happens, whatever. Uh, big hello to Miss Melina in the chat. She says, come on, everybody, hit the like button and subscribe if you are new. Yes, please do so. I want to give a shout out to Chris Castell, who signed up as a member last night. Um, obviously, there wasn't a show last night, so I wasn't able to give him a shout out uh, there and then. So thank you uh, very much to you. And thank you to Mike Long, who's just signed up now uh, whilst we're live on air. So, Mike, thank you very much uh, for your uh, support. It is very, very much appreciated. As I said, we're going to be bringing you the watch along tomorrow of Arsenal versus Newcastle United in the Premier League. And then the post-match reaction show will follow that. I've got one hell of a busy day tomorrow, working all day, working all night. But I love it. I can't complain. Uh, and you guys' support allows me to continue doing that. So thank you all. And uh, thank you, Harry. And uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Until then, take care. Stay safe. Cheers. Take care, mate. Thank you. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.